Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. All right, let's stand. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Open your Bibles with me over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want to kick off a new series. I know it's 4th of July weekend, but hey, it's the way it goes. We still got to be here in the house of God. And and I want to, in the first of the year, I begin talking about prayer, uh, when you pray. And so I I just want to get back into that lane of prayer. Uh, And so we, we taught on when you pray. Now I want to talk about when God speaks, because hearing God is a part of praying to God. Prayer is not just giving him a list of needs. Prayer is about listening and being able to discern when God is speaking to us. And so it's a two-way street. It's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. When you have a relationship with somebody, there's a dialogue, right? And so we got to learn. It's probably one of the most important uh, topics in Christian living. One of the most popular questions I've ever been asked is, how do you know it's God speaking to you. How do you know it's God? So you're going to find out. We're going to talk about it in this series of messages. And I understand we got some life groups doing going deeper. So this is going to be a very good thing for our church to go deeper on this topic. Um, Hebrews chapter 1 says this while you're standing on the screen. It says, um, God, who at various times, everybody say various times, and in various ways, everybody say various ways, he spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets and has at least in these last days spoken to us by his son. So God has spoken in different ways, different times and in different ways. He has spoken through his word. He has spoken through dreams and visions. We're going to take a week and talk about that. He speaks through the gifts of the spirit. He speaks through signs. He speaks through his word. He speaks through all of these different ways. And today I want to draw our attention to an Old Testament story in 1 Samuel chapter 3 as we talk about how to discern the voice of God. If you're there, say amen. If you're not, say go ahead without me. 1 Samuel 3 says, Now the boy Samuel, he's about eight years old at this time, he ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli's the pastor. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, you can underline his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered and said, Here I am. So he ran to Pastor Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Now they both were living inside the temple. And Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. Then the Lord called again Samuel. So Samuel rose, went to Eli, said, Here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. That's a good scripture to underline. The word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. You may know about God. You know God speaks. You know you have a relationship with God. But the word of the Lord hasn't been revealed to you yet. You haven't got to that place where you can hear the voice of God. That's where Samuel was. 
And the Lord called Samuel yet again the third time. So he went. Then Eli perceived that it was the Lord calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you again, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. So Samuel had a place and and Eli had his place. Now the Lord came and he stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. This time he's calling him his name twice. And Samuel answered, said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Pastor Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the sin or the iniquity which he knows about, underline which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. It was one of the most harshest judgments to come to a priest in the entire Bible is this portion of scripture. So Samuel laid down until morning and opened the doors. That was his job. He opened up the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Let's just stop there for now. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray you speak to our hearts today. Give us ears to hear. Let us learn today from this story that you have preserved over all this time, how we can learn to hear you in your voice today, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Sarah. The voice of God, being able to hear the voice of God. As I said, it's probably one of the most popular questions I've ever been asked. It was the first question I've asked when I became a Christian. How do you know that it's the voice of God? It's, it's important for us to being able to hear God. It's nothing more frustrating as a leader, as a person, whether you're leading a family or anything, and you don't know what to do, and you got people waiting on you and your answer. There's nothing more frustrating. I mean, know what I'm talking about. If you're in a leadership position at work or uh, just a, fa- a parent and wanting to lead your family and give your child advice and not knowing what to say, how many's ever been there? And sometimes you got to fake it till you make it as a parent, right? Amen? Uh, but I tell you what, we have got a resource available for every believer when we don't know what to do, and that is to, an- to ask God. So many scriptures in the Bible The Bible says to call unto God and he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know it's not. My mom's favorite scripture. Call unto God and he will answer you and show you things that you do not know. How many have had some things here that you said you don't know, but you need to know, but you don't know right now? Amen. That's the scripture for you. God knows. He knows what we're needing right now. He knows the direction that you, you and I need to take. We just have to ask him. The problem isn't that God is, isn't speaking or that he doesn't hear us. In fact, he hears us the, the moment we pray. The very first, the instant we pray and call on God, he hears us. Sometimes it takes a while for us to hear back from him. There's spiritual warfare involved, as in the story of Daniel, when the angel appeared to Daniel and said, Daniel, the day and the moment that you prayed, your prayers came up before God. But I've been delayed by the spirit of Persia. There was a whole spiritual warfare 
message in that, but the point is God heard his prayer the moment he prayed. In fact, Jesus said that God knows what we have need of before we even ask him. So the problem isn't that God doesn't hear us. The problem is that we're not hearing him. We don't hear him. We're not listening for him or, you know, we have, our ears have become dull and we are not able to hear him. It was like the husband who thought his wife was going deaf. So he went to his doctor and told his doctor about it. And his doctor said, I gave him a little test. And so he went home and he did this test. He stood in the kitchen while his wife was cooking dinner at the stove. And he's standing about 15 feet behind her. And he's just standing there and he goes, so honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. So he got a little closer and he stood about five feet behind her and said, honey, what's for dinner? Again, nothing. So he goes all the way up to her ear and he whispers in her ear and says, honey, what's for dinner? She said, for the third time, meatloaf and mashed potatoes, whatever. The problem isn't that, she, that God doesn't hear us. The problem is that we're not able to hear him. Many times we have the wrong frequency. You ever try to send a text message and it's a good message, you got the right number, but you're not connected to Wi-Fi or you're in a bad reception and you have that red thing, explanation point, come up, try again. I mean, what's that about? You're not, you're not connected to the frequency that you need to be to communicate. This is crazy. The other day I'm, I was sitting uh, at home early in the morning and I was actually texting our missionary in Africa about our trip coming up to Africa. And it's amazing. I'm sitting at my couch and I'm texting this guy. He's in South Africa and it's seconds and we're just having this conversation. I'm still blown away by that. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at that. Why? Because I had good Wi-Fi. Same way with God. You and I have got to be in the right, have the right connection before we can hear from God. But most of the time and in the story that we're reading today is that Our ears have become dull. We haven't taken the time that is necessary, that is required to stop and to learn to listen to God. We just haven't done it. We've become dull. Paul talks about it in the New Testament. Jesus says here in Matthew 13, Jesus talks about a generation of people. He says, for the hearts of this people have become dull. Listen to what he said. They've become dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. He's talking about spiritual. So they had spiritual ears. They had the ability to hear from God, but they allowed themselves to become dull, to drift from God where they're no longer interested to even hear what God says. We're so used to doing life without stopping and hearing from God. Sometimes we just say, hey, you know, we just start doing things and winging it before hearing from God. That could be very dangerous. And in this story, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and it was a very harsh word of judgment that came to Eli. And the problem with Eli, he was a good pastor at one time. He had the the call of God upon his life. He loved God in his earlier days. But he began to allow sin to come into his ministry, and he began to compromise, and he began to drift in his ministry away from God. And the condition described in this story is both physical and spiritual. 
It says his eyes and his ears have grown dim. Did you catch that? It said the light in the temple was going out. So we know that that light had to be burning 24-7 in the temple. It was a menorah. And it had to constantly be burn, uh, be burning. And that was one of the jobs of the priest. And it was, right, it was getting ready to go out. He didn't even care. I mean, that was a serious deal to keep that fire burning. Spiritually, we're told to keep the fire of God burned in our heart. How many know you can lose your passion and your love for God? You can. You can. You can be sitting right in church and, and slowly lose that, lose that love and passion. And it's, let me just say this. It's not that you have matured. No, you've, you're losing your love and your passion. You need to do what the church in Revelation was told to do. And what we all must do at times is to repent and return to that first love. But he, he let the love of God, the light of God begin to grow dim. And as a result, it said, the word of the Lord was rare. No one was able to hear the voice of the Lord. And it was all because Eli let his two sons, who was in ministry with him in the Bible, God used families. How many know God is still in the families? God wants your family saved more than you want your family he wants all of your family saved and going to heaven. He's into families. In the Old Testament, he used families to do certain things. It was like nepotism to the full extent. It seriously was. They were totally hired just because of their family. And the house of Eli was a, was a descendant of the Levitical tribe, which were priests. And so their job was to 100% be devoted to work in the temple of God. They were not to have fields. They were not to have businesses. In fact, they lived off of the tithes of the people because they devoted themselves 100% to the work of God, the temple, the sacrifices, the ceremonies, and most importantly, to teach the word of God to the people. In the book of Judges, when society got really lost, you'll find this statement. For there was no teaching priest who taught the people how to walk in the ways of God. Without a teaching pastor, preacher, or teacher, without someone coming alongside of us and say, hey, let me show you what the Word of God says to do about your life. Without that, we have no direction. We, we have no way of, of valuing what is right, what is wrong, what is truth. And we really need it today. So that is a job of the priest. So they were to devout, devote themselves fully. In the New Testament, it's the same thing carries right over. That's why the early church in the book of Acts tried to do all these different things. And they, there was a church split because many were feeling neglected. Remember that? And so Peter stood up and said, hey, we got to go back to this Old Testament model. And the leadership needs to devote themselves entirely to prayer and studying of the word so we can teach the word of God for you. Amen. This is Christianity Church 101. Pastor can't come in and cut the grass, turn the hair on, lead song. I mean, that would be kind of really fun. I'd, I'd, be, I'd get up here, I wouldn't have time to prepare, and I would just say something that I heard another preacher say. Or scripture out of Psalms, read it, and some would be like, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I take it serious. We take it seriously to teach the word of God when we lead worship. Pastor Steve and the team, you guys are here Thursdays, and you give time, and on and on and on. Well, Eli began to just say, eh, that stuff's not that important to me. And he began to neglect that his two sons, who was in charge of the offering, began to steal from the offering. They begin to have people collect and said, you know what? The priests were always entitled to a portion of the food. That's how they ate. And Eli's son says, you know what? I want that prime rib. In fact, I want all of it. And they begin to steal. You can read the story. It's in the second chapter of Samuel. 
And then they begin to have sexual affairs within the congregation. Right in the church. The sons of Eli's, Hophni and Phinehas. Don't name your children that, please. <laughs> and Eli knew about it. But Eli did not sit them down. He did not rebuke them. He just tolerated it. And their ears, as a result, their ears begin to get dull. You know what's interesting? When I first read this story 26 years ago when I became a Christian, I saw myself as Samuel. I want to be like Samuel. He was dedicated to the Lord. He's eight years old. He grew up in the church. And man, I saw myself as Samuel. Lord, you know, even though I wasn't eight years old when I got, came to the Lord, I was 25. But I said, Lord, I, I study the life of Samuel. But now as a pastor, the story of Eli stands out to me. And if you are a parent or in leadership at all, pay attention to Eli. Because what happened to Eli can happen to you and I. We need to learn from Samuel. In fact, I'm going to show you four ways to develop ears to hear the voice of God that we learned from Samuel. And you can write this down. Promise I'll try to be shorter today. Hallelujah. Amen. Those that have ears to hear didn't hear what I just said. But nevertheless, Eli is a, is, a sovereign, is a solemn warning to pastors to have sometimes you got to have hard conversations with people. Sometimes you got to sit down as a parent and have conversations, mom and dad, if you know your, your kids are, are starting to stray and they were once on fire for God in the youth group or in kids and you saw them get baptized and you saw them growing, but now they're hanging around with some kids and they're not in their word no more and they're, they're starting to drift away. Listen, mom and dad, don't ignore it. That's so easy to ignore it. I don't even, this isn't in my notes. I don't even know why I'm saying it. I'm telling you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's your job to sit them down and in love and say, hey, listen, I've been noticing something in you honey i've been noticing your attitude i've been noticing in worship you don't want to come to church no more you're not interested in the teaching of the word and you're not you're not in your word you're not even talking about god no more and i know it's busy and, and you're at that season of life wherever you may be and you're being busy but i'm telling you something hebrews tells us pay close attention to your faith lest ye drift lest ye drift it's amazing. I used to work at the marina when I was a high, in high school and young adult life. I loved that job. And it's amazing how many calls we got called because I worked also for Marine Emergency Service. We worked with the Coast Guard. And we would get called whenever there was someone acting like a fool out on the water or uh, they were just crazy. Or there were times, many times we got called. We had what they issued a MARB, M-A-R-B, stood for something. But it was usually Marine. Anyway, um, that we called them drifters. It was people who put an anchor down, sometimes didn't even put an anchor down, fell asleep taking a nap and drifted. Their boat drifted out into the channel of the Detroit River. True story. We've had even fatal accidents out there before because people drifted. And this is what they always say when we save them. I didn't realize that the current was that strong. It was, it was, the water was like glass. There was no, not even a current. Friend, you don't know how, how serious... And how far you can drift from God until you start your way back. 
Let me say that again. You won't realize how far you've drifted from God until you start your way back. But let me give you some good news. You have the Holy Spirit, the helper. As soon as you make that decision to turn and say, I need my passion back. I need to have my ears back. I need to have my eyes back on Jesus. He's there to say, hey, I've been waiting for you, baby. Come on, let me help you along the way. Let me lead you into the place where you should go. Come on, give God some praise today if you receive that today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Samuel, he shows us four ways to develop ears to hear the voice of God, and it's in this story. Number one is repent of sin. Repent of sin. This is, this is can't get away from it. It's there. Repent of sin. We got to change our attitude to sin. There is there is a massive danger in tolerating sin in our lives. It's, it, it's, a, it's a massive danger. Let me just say this. People that get into addiction, like I was, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but at one time, and we talked this on Wednesday night a few weeks ago when James talked about temptation. He says each one is drawn away by their desire, and then when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. So when you have a desire for something, it doesn't really necessarily mean it's sin. It's your opportunity to destroy that desire. I think this, this teaching's on our podcast, but it, it's in James. And we walked out the process of sin. But it, when it gives birth to sin, here's another thing. It says, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. In other words, there is sin that we have in our lives that are at the toddler stage. And a toddler, my little grandson, it will be a year next month. Amazing. But you know, he's at that age, you can tell he's at that age because when you come to our house, there's two things. One, everything is up to this second level. And we got this new sound coming from our house. You can hear it all the way down the street. You ready? <laughs> but, but a toddler is easy. You can walk right over, pick up a toddler and redirect them, right? And go this way. James tells us that sin in the beginning, again, this is not in my notes. I'm straying from my notes. Sin in the beginning, you can control it. Ah, I don't need to do none of that. Ah, 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 ah. Drinking too much. Ah. Gossiping. Oh, but lost my temper. Ah, I'm sorry. James says it's a trick. Because it's just like that little toddler. I can't believe it. It's like we blinked and he's already a year old. We're going to blink. He'll be two years old. We're going to blink. He's going to be three years old. We're going to blink. He's going to be four years old in River Kids. We're going to blink, right? And the point is this. You're going to blink, and that sin is going to stand up and look at you. And you're going to go, eh. He's going to say, I ain't listening to you. Eh, yourself. We ain't going to church this Sunday. I want you to do this with your money. I want you to do this. Don't you, better, you better listen to me. And next thing you know, you got a grown man in what we call bondage. Used to be fun. Used to be in, I don't know who this is for today. It is not in my notes. Hallelujah. Fourth of July sermon. Amen. But Jesus says this, he who follows me. I said, he said, he who follows me. Not just, I believe Jesus is up there. He who follows me shall know the truth and the truth will make them free. He who follows me. Follows means I'm going to follow you. I'm going to stay the course. 
I'm going to follow you to wherever you go. I'm going to follow you. Eli began to tolerate the sins of his sons. And it's something that we all could do. He could have said, boys, this is is what he should have done. Boys, listen, I know what y'all are doing. I'm going to pull you out of ministry, and I'm going to sit you down until you get your heart right with God because you got no business leading anything in anywhere if you can't lead yourself. God is not looking for perfection. He's just looking for priority. I'll get to that in a few minutes. But you guys have no business to because it ain't my church. It's not Daddy Eli's church. It's Jehovah Yahweh's church. And don't I. And I must wor- honor him by bringing correction because we ain't going to be that kind of church. We ain't going to be that kind of business or whatever it is. And he should have sat him down in love. And if they repented, then restored him, but he didn't. And because of that, he wasn't able to hear the voice of God. Listen to King David. King David knows this. He wrote in Psalm 66, because King David knows this. He's a man after God's own heart. He would hear from God. This, cele- this separated him from Saul. Saul did life without hearing from God. Saul, in fact, never even built one altar, but he did build a monument, a statue of himself. David built an altar. Whose kingdom are you building? Are you building yours or Jesus's? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. David said, if I regard sin in my heart, he ain't going to hear me. I memorized this when I first got saved. It's a good scripture to memorize. 66, I think it's 18. If I regard, everybody say regard. Regard is an interesting Hebrew word in the original Uh, language. It's a big Hebrew word. I can't pronounce because I don't speak Hebrew, but I I thought, what does he really mean? I love to study the word, right? So you start studying the word, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks. But regard means to look at and know it's there. To look at and know it's there. To see it. And to just overlook it. So it's not like you're doing hidden sin or you got something you don't know about. God is not going to punish you and I for something you don't know about. Just like you wouldn't punish your kid for something they don't know about. This is regard. David said, it's those things that I know. Eli knew what, it, what did I tell you to underline? For Eli knew what his sons had done. Isn't that what God told Samuel? God said, Samuel, I'm bringing judgment. And don't think I'm mean because I'm bringing judgment because I've told Pastor Eli about this. What pastors do today when their ministries fail is they try to go start another ministry somewhere else or they try to go to another church and do this. No, no, no. If you're in leadership and if God is, is bringing chastisement to you and I, we need to stop and say, okay, God, correct it in me. Correct it in me because I want your, your favor in my life. If I regard sin in my life, Lord, you will not hear. And Eli could have. He could have repented. It's so sad, but he didn't. So we got to learn to repent of sin. Number one, it's all in the scripture. To receive the Holy Spirit. What did they say to Peter? What must we do to receive the Holy Spirit? Be perfect and and, and wear a gown and, and no makeup and no nothing and read out of King James 1611 and only sing this kind of songs and, and only do this kind of worship. No, no, those are all styles and preferences. What matters is your heart. God is always into the heart. You don't got to be perfect, but you got to surrender your heart to him, number two, and make him a priority. 
Samuel made the presence of God a priority. He made the presence of God a priority. Please, you hear me say this a lot, but it's so important. God's not looking for perfection. He's looking to be made priority. He is. Because you see this in the story. Remember, I had you underline the two places. Everybody say two places. Eli, it says he had his place where he slept. And then it says Samuel had his place where he slept. And where was it in verse 1? Before the Ark of the Covenant. Samuel positioned himself so close to the ark, he slept. Many scholars believe that, he's, that he slept right outside the holies of holies, that he got as close as he could to the holy place. Meanwhile, Eli is way in the back somewhere of the temple, maybe out and made a little shack and shanty out in the, in the Gentile court. He's in his own place. We don't know. But he no longer was interested in being close to the Lord. You want to hear the voice of God? If you want to be able to hear the voice of God, listen, number one, repent of sin, absolutely. Secondly, position yourself to be close to the presence of God. And you're going to do that only when you make him a priority. Only when I make him a priority. When, when God is not a priority in my life, he's second nature, you sh- it shows up in the choices I make in how I spend my money, how I spend my time. And, uh, and it's awesome. Our church is, is a great church. You guys, you guys are here. You come to church. You're faithful. Those are watching online. We got a whole online church family that watches. They live outside the area. This is their church. I hear from them all the time. They take communion with us. They email us. They are in contact with us. And they always say, never miss a Sunday. Never miss. Want more. They want to get, we, we discussed it at our life group meeting about having life groups available for our online people. That's great when you, because you got people wanting that. What is that? That's people wanting to, they, people that make God a priority. So when God is a priority, you read your Bible. Come on now. This is basic, but this is simple truth. There's nothing profound in this story. There was no, Eli didn't say, Samuel, go and say this three times, hop on one foot, turn around, and, and, do, and whatever. He didn't. He said, no, 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 go get close to God, lay down, and you must say these things. That was it. Get close to God. It's a shame that Eli knew how to hear from God, but he himself didn't want to hear from God. It's amazing how that just disturbs my heart so much when I read it. We attend church. Hey, join a life group. Oh, Pastor Reddy, I can't. I don't have time for it. Who's dictating your time? I know you may not even be able to make every life group. I'm leading two this summer. I said I wasn't going to lead any. I'm leading two this summer. Hallelujah. It's because I love hanging out with you guys and being with you. And and I know how important it is to to discuss the Word of God and teach it. But it's going to take time. It does take time. When God is a priority, it's no problem. Attend church. Did you guys hear about this Supreme Court ruling this past week? There were many that were... Uh, given. And because of this guy, it is now legal. He made it easier for all of us to attend church. Postal worker Gerald Groff, not Gerald Goff, Super Bowl winner of the Detroit Lions quarterback. This is Gerald Groff, true story. He's a postman from Pennsylvania who won his case, allowing him to a church to attend church on Sundays with his family. This guy lost. He lost his job. He worked for a postal. If you read the whole story, this guy was not a slacker. He was a hard worker. He just had Sundays off, and he loved it. Life was well. Well, 
big old Amazon came into the neighborhood and took over and partnered with Postal Service. True story, you can read it online. And they now demand packages to be delivered on Sundays. This guy said, I am not giving up my Sundays. It is a day I spend with, in the house of God. This guy lost his job. Well, he said, I'll take, I'll take holidays. I'll take any other shift. Don't make me work Sundays. And his boss came out, higher up said, I don't care. You're going to work Sundays. And they cited some earlier law that is in the books, I guess, from way back in the day. And they thought they won, and he lost in district courts. He took his case all the way to the Supreme Court. And Thursday, the Supreme Court, in a unanimous decision, made clear that workers who asked for religious accommodations, such as taking the Sabbath off, should have their requests honored unless employers show that doing so would result in substantial increased costs to business, and they must show a substantial increase. So you got two things that businesses are going to be doing. Number one, they're going to be scrambling, trying to prove you're just going to hurt them. Secondly, a lot more people should be attending church after this ruling this week in Jesus' name. For those of you that work Sundays, it's, it's now law. And it was a unanimous decision, which is amazing because you can't get the court to be unanimous on anything. And they all agreed to this. So no excuse. Come on, somebody. Come to church on Sunday. Amen. But here's the point. This one man, this one man, guys, he changed the law of the land. Why? Because going to church was a priority. Listen, I, I, man, I don't know, I may be a dinosaur in this, but I hate to miss church. I hate to miss, now I'm on vacation, you got times, and I love that you need to go on vacation, okay? You take Jesus with you, amen? It's not a legalistical thing. But at the same time, we are living in a day where culture just is like, man, it's raining outside, I ain't going. And, and, and I'm telling you, it is hurting the church of America. Now, we're an anomaly, I was we're growing, we're on the other end of it, and there are other churches experiencing what we are, and that's amazing. But overall, there is a decline in church attendance in America, and people are predicting us to be a post-Christian nation like Europe. And I'm saying, if little things like this continue, if you and I don't value what we are doing right now, in 10 or 15 years, it may be that way. But here's what is more scarier is that no one will be able to hear from God as we'll be living in the days of Eli for the word of the Lord was rare in those days. That is scary. Make the presence of God a priority. Number three, serve in the house of God. This is Samuel doing this. He, he showed us how to serve in the house of God. And let me add, serve with enthusiasm. Serve enthusiastically. Because it says in, in verse 1, Now in those days the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord under the direction of Eli. Eli was a corrupt priest and this boy was still serving in the house of God. Why? Because he wasn't serving for Eli. He was serving for the Lord. What does it say? And in those days Samuel ministered to the pastor. He ministered to the Lord. He didn't minister to, to pastor. And you guys are a servant church. Again, maybe, maybe you're new to the church and, and you don't know and haven't been taught this. Serving in the house of God is so important for you and I. There ought to be something that we are doing to help further the kingdom of God. 
And it is a way for us to hear the word of God. The word minister there is the same word in the New Testament in Acts 13, 1, when the church of Antioch, it says, as they minister to the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke. And it means to perform a religious act or fulfilling an office, performing a duty. So is it ministering? Is ministering serving or is serving ministering? It's both. It's both. Because it's the same thing. When we serve the Lord with all of our heart, serve the Lord, and Samuel was a doorkeeper. He was in training. He was a greeter. I want to thank all of our greeters today. Aren't our greeters awesome? Amen for greeting. We tell our greeters, you guys are the most important part of the church because before they ever hear worship, before they ever hear the word of God, you're the first person they see when they walk through those doors. And you can set the pace. Don't mean to put pressure on you, but you can, <laughs> people can judge you. That's why it's important to smile. Hallelujah. Put a breath mint in. Hallelujah. Nobody wants to hear the stinking gospel and just say, hey, we're welcome that you came to River of Life. Amen. That's a big deal. And I've heard by so many people come up to me at a church over this last year, two years, especially and say, man, you got the best greeters of the, thank you for being uh, genuine, uh, genuine to us and and nice. So those little smiles and that stuff really does, really does work. It does, it, it makes a difference in people's lives. But when we minister to the Lord, when we serve in our churches, we minister to the Lord. Samuel was a true servant because he had a servant's heart. It's always about the heart. And I love it when he sat down and said back to God, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Notice he didn't say, speak, Lord, for your apostle hears. Speak, Lord, for the next prophet here. See, we, are we into titles or are we into towels? We teach this in our ETS. You can be into titles, which was King Saul. He wanted to be into titles. He made him a statue, like I said earlier. And he was so insecure. Insecure leaders have to have titles. But secure leaders don't need titles. They have towels. Towels meaning Jesus took a towel and he put it around him and he washed the feet of Peter. Jesus Christ, the son of God, the most powerful man and ruler of all the nations, got down and washed the feet of his servants. That right there is the kind of thing that changes life. That's why Samuel had a ministry that went all the way to the anointing of King David, Samuel. Samuel was a man of integrity the whole time. There wasn't one flaw. Samuel never fell into sin. He wasn't messing around with the money. He wasn't messing around with the honeys. He wasn't messing around with anything else. Samuel was a man of integrity. The scripture even says this. Every word, prophetic word that Samuel spoke, none of it fell to the ground. He was that man, that, that kind of a man. Why? Because he had the right hurt, the right heart, the right hurt, the right heart. Anybody getting anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Amen. God, thank God for the word. I need all the help I can get. Hallelujah. Serving in the house of God. Speak, Lord, for your servant here. When we serve, in position, it positions us and opens our ears to hear from God. You've heard me say this, but I'm sure. But when I first got saved, I was praying about God was opening up doors for me to minister, and, and I was, people were saying things about me, you know, about they really enjoyed my preaching style, and I, I was young, and I remember praying, and they were saying, what has God called you to do? 
you're going to be an evangelist. Evangelists were really, really big in those days. They had the hair, and every evangelist had the sweet hair. And I was losing mine, so I knew God didn't call me to that. And so, um, but I was saying, I don't know what God's called me to do. And I remember one time in worship, I'm worshiping God, you know, and I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? And I remember I was saying, is it apostle, prophet? I'm saying the fivefold ministry. I, I'm seriously, and I, I was praying that in prayer. What goofy prayer have you prayed? And I heard the Lord speak to me. Again, he speaks. And he spoke to me and he said, I've called you to be a servant. Now, I know that was God because that was not in here. First thing he said, and when God speaks to you, he speaks to your spirit and it comes up in your ears. It comes up in your hear, in your hearing. And it's always something, not out of left field, I would say out of right field because it's right, but it's something you're not thinking about. It's, It's a many, and then you'll have that confirmation in your heart when you know this is God. If someone ever, and I'm going to take a whole week and talk about discerning the voice of God through the prophetic, because this has hurt a lot of people. Even in the prophetic, a prophetic word ought to confirm what God has already been speaking to you about. And even if it's something you don't know about, you'll have that peace that goes over your heart. And the Lord began to tell me to be a servant from that day. So I said, okay, what needs to be done? We begin to go to work and serve in church. Melinda joined the girls' ministry, and I joined Saturday morning, went down to the homeless shelters and began to pass out hot dogs. And here's the thing. I didn't even get to share my testimony for two years. For two years, I was the guy that set up hot dogs, and here was my big prophetic spiritual line. Ready? Mustard or ketchup? Don't they know that I was once on drugs, living in the street, involved with street gangs, and almost died and got shot, almost shot by the police, and was going 40 years in the penitentiary? I was facing a felony, and God set me free from drugs and alcohol. Why don't pastor give me a chance to share my testimony? God said, because I'm working on your character, boy. I'm working on you. I want to see if you can say ketchup or mustard and have a smile on your face because you're doing it not for Pastor Jack Wallace at DWO or Bishop Jack Wallace, but you're doing it for the King of Kings and for the Lord of Lords. So let me see if you can do that, boy. Let me see if you can do that, boy. I can tell you some stories how I went rogue and tried to do it my way. How much time y'all have? I don't have barbecues coming. You can find out the easy way or you can find out the hard way, the way God wants you to live your life. Please hear me. You can find out the easy way or the hard way, which way to live God's way. For me, I'm hard-headed and I had to learn the hard way. But he taught me, thank God, I was able to get back on track and be content with where I was at and realize that God is doing something in me before he can does anything through me. And I wasn't where I needed to be as I thought. And God began to work in my life. Last point, repent of sin was number one. Then it ended up make God a priority. Serve in the house of God. Get close to God. And lastly is listen for the voice of God. Listen. We love to talk, but how many of us are good listeners? And I know we got our, our bigger kids with us today and they're taking notes. And they got little bags that River Kids directors got ready for them, and they're taking notes. I hope they write all four of these down. Talk about it on the way home, mom and dad. See what the kid, if they, caught, if they followed any of these notes. It was pretty simple. I think they followed it. I purposely didn't go real deep. But number four was listen for the voice of God. In verse nine, it says that Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. What's he doing? He's waiting for the, the voice of the Lord. Listening is different than hearing. Listening, you know, it's like when your wife says, honey, my car is making that sound. And so you go and you get in a car and, a car and she makes you drive around the block. And what are you doing? Radio's off. Windows are up. And it never makes that noise when you're in the car. <laughs> and they go, what? It was just making it. Here's the point. What are you doing? You're listening. You're listening for it. You're listening. How many times have you and I, through the weeks, have time where we stop ourselves, pull over, get into that back bedroom, take a break and go to the parking lot, get in your car? For me, it was pull my truck over at my last stop in the back of the parking lot when nobody bothered me, lock my doors, turn the air on, turn the radio off, get my Bible. How many truck drivers know what I'm talking about? You got a truck driver that listens to us every week. Reese knows about it. Every week, this guy listens to our podcast. He got baptized last time. He knows how it is. And you just stop. And you just read the word of God and say, speak to my heart, Lord. And he'll speak. Sometimes he don't. Sometimes he don't speak right away, but it's the point that you made time for him that he'll honor it sooner or later is when he honors it. Isn't it amazing? Last thing, I'm starting to close, is that Eli, he could have went in there. After the third time it said, Eli knew that it was God speaking to Samuel. Eli, I'm waiting for Eli to get up and go, whoa, whoa, Samuel. Oh, God, are you speaking? If you're speaking to Samuel, please speak to me. I want to hear your voice again. I want to hear, I was once the priest. I was once running this thing. Oh, God, what has happened? I've allowed myself to drift from you. Oh, God, please slide over, Samuel. I want to hear if he's speaking. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear him one more time in my heart. And Eli said, ain't got time. Samuel, go in there. If it's God, he'll call you. He rolled back over. And I said, got other things to do than spend time in the presence of God. So Samuel positioned himself. And the Bible says this time, because he positioned himself, because he repented of his sin, because he is a servant of the Lord, he made God's presence a priority, and he's listened for the Lord. Did you notice it in the scripture? It didn't say God spoke. It said, and God stood. Did you catch it today? He stood in the doorway. He didn't speak. He stood. Why? Because when you surrender and give him your undivided attention, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He stands up and gives you his. He stands up and gives you his. He stands up and gives you his and says, that's what I've been waiting for. And he stood in the door. In theology, this is a Christophany. This is Jesus himself standing there. It's Jesus. Jesus didn't show up in a manger. He was there from the beginning, Colossians tells us, and Jesus stood there and he spoke the word of God to Samuel. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. We're told in the Bible 278 times, 278 times to listen, to listen to the word of God to silence ourselves and to just make room. And I want to end this service this way. In a minute, if you need prayer, we'll pray for you. Can we just right now practice this? Those of you that are at home, the best you can, try to ignore the distractions. Can we just close close your books, your, your Bibles, everything? Many of you know this already. You spend quiet time with the Lord. Let's just, for a few seconds here, just quiet our hearts. 
The word of God has been sown. It's in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is speaking, has spoken, and will continue to speak. Let's just quiet our minds right now. Hallelujah. This may be new for somebody. Quiet yourself. I want you to say this. I want you to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Say that. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Lord, we are desperate to hear your voice. Many of us are in a season of transition. Some are in a season of confusion, maybe. People are in different kinds of seasons right now. But we all need to hear your voice. Pray, God, right now, we repent of sin. We make your presence a priority. We start spending time in your word. Start spending more time. I know it's summer and it's easy to drift and neglect, but God, this message today has reminded us the importance of making you and keeping you a, a priority. Serve in the house of the Lord, to support, to serve somehow, do something that furthers the kingdom. And lastly, help us to listen, to make time and listen in the house of God, in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you haven't surrendered your life to him. You're not really following him with your whole heart. You may be a religious person. You might have come. I met a guy a few weeks ago. He's never been in a church Christian service in his entire life. You never know who comes to church. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you know what? Today, you want to make him your Lord and Savior. I'm not asking you to join a church or anything crazy. I'm just asking you to to invite Jesus into your life. But before you do that, I know who you are. If that's you, those of you that are at home, same way. Or maybe you're backslidden, you've drifted, and you're away from the Lord, but today you want to renew your commitment. Just raise your hand to the Lord. Say, pray for me today. I want to make today a fresh start for me and the Lord. Come on, lift your hand if you're here today. Pray for me. Amen, hand. Amen, hand. Say, pray for me today. I want to make a fresh commitment to the Lord today. And I'm going to serve him today. If you're at home, put your name in the chat. Let us know that you've recommitted your life to the Lord. If that's you, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I'm not going to have you come up today. I want you to repeat this prayer. We're going to ask God to forgive us and to cleanse us and to come into our life. I want you to say these words. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, I want everybody say it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for sending Jesus. For I am a sinner. And I repent of sin today. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I confess him as Lord today. And from this day forward. From this day forward. Help me to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.
pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.